That's how I got hired at Chippendales. Well, you were making egg foo young in the kitchen. I was in the dining room having sushi. It's a little thing tech show, and that's a fact. If you don't like the cast, you can stick it up your ass. Ain't no funny duddies that'll link it bad. For the strolling, we'll be back to TLNTS.org. And I see channels of Linux Day.net. Bound Tech Show. Just sit right there, cause the calendar's just about to begin. Um, yeah. Welcome to episode 1037 of the Link Sling Tech Show. On the show today, we have Joel. Good evening, folks. We have Joe. Oh, sorry, Joe. Are you there? He's not here. No, he, he dropped in the yeah. channel. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. He's here. Oh, I'm here. paying he attention, man. In. I'm yeah. paying attention. And we have Davey. Hello. All right. Last week, I had talked about my wonderful adventure on that GitHub workflow to handle Dependabot pull requests. And boy, let me tell you, holy mackerel, um, that was a doozy. Uh, still is a little bit of a doozy. But uh, what ended up happening was the next day I was banging my head against the wall over its ability to pull secrets from the GitHub repository. Like, it didn't even dawn on me that that would be a problem. I mean, uh, so, Because part of our workflow in the test is that we run an integration and end tests requiring that the when we do this, that the app be running and to run the app you need to have the proper google credentials which we store in the github secrets for that environment which is only against development but come to find out that it wasn't able to pull the secrets um and so i had to go back to the table and do a little digging into there and apparently like a year or more ago, I don't know how long ago, they they kind of switched it for security reasons that Dependabot can't pull the secrets unless you switch from pull request to pull request target. And so I did that and also provide it with the proper permissions in the workflow file. And it was working pretty well. And I was happy. And what I had it do was if it passed all the tests, then it was supposed to merge the PR. And if it passed all the, if it didn't pass any of the tests, it was supposed to open a Jira ticket instead. Well, it seemed like everything was ready to go. So I switched it over to actually do what it's supposed to do. And this was about midday on the one repository. And it worked. Worked as I expected it to do. And it blew the repository up. <laughs> so well, I, I still am unclear as to what fully happened. 
but somehow, and, and I think I, I think I have have it down now to what it was. But what ended up happening was it it ran through the gamut of pull requests, and then there was a six of them because that was the limit of what it opened at one time, and it merged like four of them. And one of them happened to be a major dependency bump that forced Node, uh, that it required forced us to be using Node 18 or better. And we were using node, still Node 16. And so that got merged in, and then it just started breaking everything. Like the application wouldn't run anymore couldn't do any pull requests and I spent the next three hours trying to fix this problem so the one person I was working with so everything I tried like I would try to revert it and it wouldn't make a difference like it was still so what ends up happening when you do a pull request or you revert a pull request is that it checks out that branch, runs the tests, and if they all pass, then you can merge it in. But none of the tests, none of none of the build wasn't even wasn't even working. It wasn't even installing. I was getting these errors for packages that were no longer there. I had tried to revert them um, so that we would be back and it would accept node 16. And we tried to move forward with these changes, but it wasn't working. After two hours of beating my head against the wall, moving forward wasn't working. We had to go back. And what ended up ultimately having to happen is I had to stop that workflow of dependabot stuff, and I had to fix all these dependencies. And the only way that I could fix these dependencies was to wait until it, all the tests failed and then force it to be merged back into the main branch. And this is where I think the crux of the problem ended up being. In switching from pull request to pull request target, pull request works on the commit branch and pull request target works on the base. So what ended up happening is even though we were updating stuff in the commit branch, it was still running stuff as if it was out testing stuff out of the base. So the workflow that it was using wasn't the updated workflow. It was using the one that was already in there, which is the bad workflow. And for some reason, it looked like it was doing that same thing with package JSON or package... Um, Actually, I think it was package lock JSON. So when you run package, you have package JSON, which defines the library. It's kind of like how you define Python modules or whatever, uh, Ruby, gems, and stuff like that. Package JSON is one way of defining what libraries you're going to use and what versions. And we're using npm, not arm, yarn. So when npm, you do npm install, it looks in package JSON and goes out and gets those versions and then all their dependencies and handles it that way. Once it's completed, it writes all that information that it's done to package lock JSON. In our CI being run by the GitHub workflow, we use npm CI instead of npm I for install. Um, what that means is it requires you to have a package lock JSON file. So it kind of works in conjunction 
with the package lock JSON file that's there and supposedly makes it work faster and more reliable. Um, and that I think was the crux of the problem because it was, we were updating package JSON in the pull request and it was using the package lock JSON from the, the main branch that we were trying to merge into of the repository. So once I rammed that through and figured it out, uh, got it all back to where it was supposed to be the next day. This was, I think on Friday, like I was pulling my hair out with this on, on Monday, I went back to the drawing board on this because it presented a huge problem because if the permissions were not going to allow us to pull the secrets out of the repository, I was kind of stuck of how can we move forward when lo and behold, find out that there has been still some more updated information and that you can pull secrets from the GitHub repository. That is because in the GitHub settings and the secrets and security section, when you go to add a secret or manage your secrets, there's secrets for GitHub workflows. There's secrets for, uh, I forget what the second thing is. And then there's dependabot secrets. So if you have a workflow that is going to be kicked off by the dependabot actor, you can set the secrets in there and they will be accessible to dependabot. So you just name the secret the same. As you as your regular secret, you just need to copy them into the dependabot section, and you're good to go. So I was like all ecstatic about that and happy. Figure that out. Be able to use pull requests instead of pull request target, so things operate like we expect it. Um, and then all we have to do is just make sure that it's writing the tickets and merging the pull request. So I think it was Monday. I had gotten things working in the one repository that I was the GitHub repository I was working in. Um, and it worked perfectly. It merged the PRs. Um, my concern, my other concern about this was we need to differentiate between, um, how updates are if it's a minor update or a patch update that's like going from 1.05 to 1.06 or 1.20 that's like a minor update like 1.05 to 1.0.51 would be a patch update we're fine with those right but a major update from like version two to three we need to make sure that everything is going to work properly. So that's going to require a review. So then it was, how do you figure out what kind of update that this is going to be? Well, it turns out that that's pretty simple because you can, uh, there's a, um, a GitHub action called uh, fetch metadata for Dependabot. And in that metadata that you get, it will write what, the semver is semver semantic version is whether it's minor major minor patch or major which once i put that logic into the workflow which said if it passes all the tests 
we're going to do a PR merge. But if it's a major bump, we're going to actually create a JIRA ticket instead of doing the merge of the PR. So that ended up working beautifully too and it created tickets and everything was fine i had that going by monday i was really happy um excited to then implement it into another repo to do a actual full test uh and the next day when i went to go do this in the other repo it also dawned on me that we've run into another problem here in that if it's going to write a you know create a jira ticket that means the pull request is going to still be open for somebody to come and review and either fix the problems if there's failing tests or if it's a major version, determine what's going to happen. But when you have a bunch of pull requests open, if you merge into the branch that all those pull requests are open against, Dependabot, being smart as it is, will rebase those pull requests on the update that happened to the branch that they're going to merge into. And that is wonderful, right? But then the workflow, test workflow, is going to execute again, and we're going to run into a problem where if it had to create a JIRA ticket before, I don't want it to create another JIRA ticket. How do we handle the fact that it already created a ticket. We don't need it to do it again. Well, that, that ended up being simple. It's uh, just add a label to that pull request, which I called Jira ticketed. And so, and it looks then if it has failed tests and it is going to write a Jira ticket, it checks to see if the label has been set for that. If not, it'll write the ticket and then set the label. So that was good. So I was happy with that. Everything was working great on the repo that I had been testing this out on. I moved it over to the other repo, and this was about 2 o'clock yesterday I kicked it off. Utter failure. Utter failure. And I'm like, what the hell is going on, right? Everything seemed to work fine. It passed the test. It got to the point of going to do the merge into the repository and it failed with this error that I have never seen before or heard of. It was something to the extent of it could not find a certain value that was uh, merge queue. It was checking to see if merge queue was enabled, right? And it couldn't find that value. So it was erroring out. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I didn't have this problem before. So I went back and I started testing in the other repo that I had originally worked at. And I ran all, ran something again as a test. And that too failed to be able to merge at that same error. And so I got down and I, and I ran GitHub command line and replicated exactly what we were doing. And that failed. And so... I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. How could it have been working earlier in the day? And now it's failing all the time. In two different repos, it's failing. And it's failing from the command line. And I'm looking up this error, and I can't find a damn thing about it, right? I can find similar things, but not that thing. So after about, again, two and a half, three hours of mucking around trying to solve this problem, lo and behold, I'm over there on the, uh, God, what was it? 
I think it was Dependabot. I don't know what it was. Uh, it's one of the repos at GitHub uh, for Dependabot or um, GitHub command line, I think it was. And so people started posting that they were getting this message that their merges that they were using were failing with that error message that, that I had been getting. And it had started right around the time that I did. And it turns out that GitHub had made a change and that change broke the ability to use a personal access token for uh, in GitHub command line. Um, so what, what a personal access token is, is uh, if you have an account or whatever, you can create a personal access token and use that in lieu of logging in to GitHub, right? So we have a personal access token that was created for our main group account for doing certain things that we would need permissions for, um, like merging stuff into the repository from an action or back when Jenkins was being used to do that, uh, adding comments to pull requests, all the different things. So what I was doing is because the GitHub um, Dependabot permissions didn't originally have when we first started doing it, the ability to merge into the repository, I was using the personal access token of that account and they broke that functionality with whatever they had done yesterday, uh, an update or whatever they ran through. So it just so happened that they broke it right as I was about to test that second repo. Um, so this morning I saw that they had fixed it. I ran it my script again my workflow against the second repo and it worked perfectly. So it was exciting times, Dave. Can you believe it? Hardly. I couldn't believe it, man. <laughs> and so here here's the thing. Like I got everything figured out on this so far. Handling Jira tickets. I have it writing the Jira ticket number into the pull request comment so that you can easily find that Jira ticket that was created. All this stuff is working fine. There's only one thing that is sticking into my back of my mind that is a bit of a problem, and I'm not exactly sure how to fix it. And that is when when a pull request, when, when that gets merged into the main branch, when a commit gets merged into the main branch, it kicks off another workflow that bumps the version of the application in the package JSON file. And then once that package is bumped, it creates the container. And that in the process of creating the container, it checks out the repo, it gets the version out of the package JSON file, and then it creates a container based off of that version. Now, the problem, and I, and I anticipated that this was going to be an issue, is that when you have Dependabot fire off like six pull requests, if two or more of those end up passing and succeeding and we auto-merge them in, you run into a situation where you have multiple merges that are then going to be trying to bump the version in package JSON. Now, my initial thought was, well, maybe I can solve this by putting in a random sleep 
before they actually merge the code. Therefore, something to the effect of I, I took the current second, not the epoch seconds, but the current second, and to that I added a random number between, uh, what was it, 1 and 50 or 60 or something like I can't remember which one I did. And therefore I'm like, well, chances are it's going to have enough time that when one pull request gets is ready to be merged, when that merges, that it'll buy enough, the second one will buy enough time that it'll allow that version bump to complete. Well, that's kind of stupid thinking because what ends up happening is that all I'm doing is delaying that merge. Once it merges that code in, if you have three pull requests that are all going to merge that code in, each one of those package JSON files is going to have the same version in it. So when it merges into the main branch and the dependency bump kicks off, it's probably going to fail merging in. The next one's going to fail because the package JSON file is out of date from what it's trying to merge into. All right. So that, that is an issue that I'm, I'm currently looking at and trying to figure out how to resolve. I don't know um, if I can't, even if it was able to merge it in, what ends up, what ended up, what end, blah, 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 what would end up happening then is that it's going to try and bump the dependency, but it's already going to exist. And so it's going to try and bump like version 233 to 234 when already then the next one that comes in is going to try and bump 233 to 234 and that's going to fail. So it's not a big deal that that would fail because these are only like updating minor dependencies and it's probably not going to get deployed out to production or anywhere else until somebody actually comes in and does a feature update and then it'll get deployed at some point like that. Anyway, big pain in the ass, but that's where we are, Dave. Sounds like it. Yeah. I, w I, I want to figure out how to resolve that problem, though, and I, I just don't know how to do it. I had thought, like, with Dependabot, you can control how many pull requests it opens at a time, and I'm like, well, let's just have it open one pull request at a time. That would work in theory um, if they were all minor updates and they all passed, but if one of those, up if one of those pull requests is a major update or it doesn't pass the tests, it's just going to sit in there blocking any other pull request from being opened by Dependabot. So that's not going to work. Anyway, that was exciting. It was fun to do. Still working it. I'm working out the kinks, but it, it's working as, uh, as I like it to the best that I can get. And um, that's where we are. And it's all done in Linux, baby. Of course it is. Just like my Raspberry Pi 5 will run <laughs> when that finally gets here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, you know what? Speaking of that, not to get yeah. too far away, but did you hear, not that this has anything really to do with Raspberry Pi, but if we're talking about um, mm -hmm. uh, 
Not necessarily single board, single board computers. Not necessarily single board computers, but um, point of sale type stuff, uh, ATM oh, yeah. machines, and everything. Where is it? I I I saved it for this week. I wanted to bring it up, and oh, come on. What vulnerability? <laughs> no, not a vulnerability. This is kind of sad. I will put it in in uh, the the mumble chat and the um, IRC, but I don't know if you, if any of you have heard this, but apparently after 34 years, OS they're two. shutting <laughs> to down uh, an OS2 warp archive. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, wow. isn't that, at, at the New Mexico State University, uh, it's closing its hopes. OS2 archive on April 15, 2024. Yeah, I always wanted to run it, never did, you know, but I, I ran it for a little I mean, well, before I ran Linux, I ran OS2 for a while. Yeah. No, and I, that's I one thing it, that won't run on a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> yeah, I take it the only way that this thing's you're going to really get this thing running today is if you're using kind of like really old Hardware, yeah. or you're running it through a, a 16-bit hardware, a no virtual less, probably. Yeah, you well, can run it well, in a wait virtual a minute. For, for, no, four would work on 32 bits, but even then, though, 32-bit machines are starting to get to be hard to find too. Right, so you'd have to probably do it in a virtual machine. I but the right. good news is, is the Internet Archive has it all backed up already. So, um, yep. Jason Scott had said, oh. don't worry, it's there. Speaking of Raspberry Pi, I did see something, an interesting YouTube video the other day of um, a way to run Raspberry Pi OS on the Surface RT. Oh, that'd be interesting. It Especially since they're probably dirt cheap now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, they're probably cheaper than, you know, Raspberry Pis. But, um, yeah. <clears throat> No, it won't do hardware acceleration, but for like a, a simple pie hole or something, I could see that working yeah. out pretty damn well. Or just a terminal, yeah. Or just a terminal. Yeah. So, What do you mean by it, it, uh, the Surface will run Raspberry Pi OS? Isn't Raspberry Pi OS R- Linux? The RT, well, the, it's the, the RT. RT model. Oh, okay. That's the, arm, that's the older ARM thing. Now, they do have a Surface Pro 9 that uh, is ARM now based on the uh, Qualcomm uh, the guest Q1 chip I think but um, and I got I think I have at least one friend that has one of those but I don't know of how you would put Linux on those but but that's interesting about the RT because I, I have a, my old boss at, at Columbus State she had one um, that was before she left she left before we before I did but but I have my accessories, but I don't have the pie. I think we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, but SparkFun sent out a January update. They've, and that's who I ordered from. I don't, you know, others probably have similar stories. Uh, they have received and shipped over 2,500 Raspberry Pi 5 8 gig models. That's the model I ordered. And over 700 of the 4 gig model. Their remaining back order uh, between the 8 four, and 4 gig kits, they have 
1,400 four gig on back order and over 7,800 of the eight gig on back order. Uh, this week they're expecting to ship 508 gigabytes early in the week, so they probably already shipped those. And they should be receiving over 6,000 of the eight gig that they'll use to fill the orders of both boards and kits as quickly as possible. Uh, by mid-February, they, they're they supposed to get 1,900 of the 4-gig model. And by the end of February, they're supposed to be getting additional shipments of the 8-gig model. By mid-March 2024, they expect all orders placed before December 1st, which I will qualify on that, to be fulfilled. So mine was ordered on October 1st. So, uh, yeah, this, it, it, it's a hot board um, in more ways than one. <laughs> but I have done some reading on um, – because I did order both the, the, the standard Pi case, which the new case for the Pi 5 actually comes with a cooling fan built into it. Um, but they have also brought out a um, cooling fan that attaches directly to the board. You can have both – that cooling fan and the one built into the case on at the same time. So, um, which is a good thing because I don't really want to have to uh, try and figure out uh, uh, how I get both in there <laughs> to run at the same time. Although, if I get does one it, of the other. Does the, it need yes, that kind of cooling? Uh, that's a good question. Um, probably not if you're not going to overclock it, which I'm not. Um, and. Not to mention the fact um, the standard case probably will not fit if you end up buying the hat that adds the um, M2 uh, SSD slot. Okay, uh, and there are. And what's funny is uh, even the Pi Foundation is making one of those, but there is at least three or four other ones that are already available, and the Pi Foundation hasn't even said when they're going to release their official one. So, um, and the SSDs, if it's aren't the full length ones that would normally go in like a laptop, they're the shorter ones that like, like what goes in the, uh, uh, I think the steam deck has, has the shorter one in it. So similar to that, but, um, if I were to put one of those on there, I would probably still boot off the SSD. You can, Build off the SSD, boot off the SSD, uh, but I would probably still boot off of the micro SD card uh, and then just use the uh, onboard SSD for storage. Uh, so I get like a big fat, like four, five gigabyte or terabyte, I mean, uh, well, why SSD. Would, why, why, why would you boot off the micro SD? Because that, that just shortens the overall life. That, that's the more maintenance that you have to do. Um, um, you should boot off of USB, if nothing else, and then use the M.2 for storage if, yeah. if you wanted to. It's a or use the M.2 yeah. for a boot and then right. use slower um, uh, USB storage for storage. See, it, it, my question is, is it, that since I don't have mine, I can't really test that yet, is, is the M2 slot as fast as it would normally be on a laptop? on this Pi 5. I don't know that it is. Unlikely. It's so, probably like one lane instead of four right. lanes. Well, it is. So. I think it is one lane. Yeah. Um, but 
either way, I don't. It doesn't really matter to me whether they had whether I had the M2 slot right away. You know, um, I just want the damn board to start start experimenting with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I SD card slot much if I got one. Right. Oh, I understand. Yeah, I understand. I I might change my mind once 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 I got the M2 and M2 and all that. But I think I'm actually uh, speaking of M2 drives. I think at my my uh, Asus gamer laptop does have an extra slot, um, and I've been thinking about filling that and then setting up a dual boot and put Linux on that slot on the uh, empty slot, uh, and keep, that way I can keep my Windows uh, partition. Well, relatively my, molest free, molest, I, I, unmolested. I have an older um, MSI gaming laptop. You know, right. well, older now. I mean, it's got an M.2, but I split that, and it's also got two SSDs. So, right. like two and a, a what, two and a half inch SSDs. So um, the M.2 is split into two, and on one partition is Linux, and on the other partition is Windows. And then I just use the two SSDs for storage. Right. Because I want the faster boot times with the M.2. Right, right. Yeah, because I'm actually, I'm actually at the point where I would normally be ordering an, or getting another laptop. I usually try to get one about every two years, but right now, I, I with me uh, starting uh, my master's here at the end of February, uh, I don't really feel like I should be spending extra money. <laughs> but so, from the technical aspect, that's where I'm waiting on. Uh, at least with some of my. Uh, smaller scale technical projects here. Um, I've got uh, one little home improvement thing we did. The The dishwasher we had that came with the house was like the cheapest thing that, you know, the cheapest one Whirlpool made as part of our appliance package. And we've been having issues with it. We did have the uh, heating element replaced and still wasn't, still didn't really fix the problem. It, it didn't, get hot enough to truly clean the dishes so because i wasn't very uh I, it very very basic dishwasher and did and i had long move past that at our old house we got another one this week so got one with a steel tub and uh the extra silverware door thing at the top and uh it works very well i'm very happy with it uh, and I saved a lot less hassle and a lot of a lot less trial and error with ordering certain parts uh, to try and replace it. Because I think the next one would have been to replace the board, which probably wouldn't have been cheap. So they don't make appliances like they used to. You're not. It's not like the '90s when we bought a washer and dryer and it lasted for almost 20 years. You see a washer or dryer from the '90s that's you know, still running. Absolutely I'd rather have it. that. I'd yes. much rather have that than something new, just because I know it's totally not going to die in three months. Totally agree. I mean, we got our brand new um, dryer, and within like three or four months, we had to have someone come in and replace the main board on it. 
my oldest yeah. daughter's uh, clothes dryer is probably uh let's see 42 years old <laughs> there still, you go and it still works i think it but was you can still buy parts for it too none of those have computer boards in them they're they're all uh, a mechanical timer yep or a washing machine eventually i will say this uh, on those together. things if you can afford them go get a speed queen that's what I got. I got the, the yeah. most mechanical speed queen you can get. Bottom yep. of the line. And they're uh, eighty thousand a piece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they should last, you know, three to four times longer than anything else. Hopefully. I agree with that. <laughs> well, I agree with. I um, I finally broke down, and um, me and my wife both got S twenty four ultras. Nice. So, uh, honestly, I mean, I, I know I'm getting updates and stuff again now, which is a good thing, and I'm also getting 5G, which is, you know, helpful when I'm not on Another Wi-Fi, but I spend most of my time on Wi-Fi. So, um, other than that, I, I haven't noticed much of an upgrade. And really? I did have to huh. trade in. I did have to trade in the the Note 10 Pluses to get a better price. I mean, they were offered right. like 500 bucks a phone, so. Wow. Yeah, that's actually not bad. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's not bad at all. And that's that's an old phone. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow morning, um, I should be getting AT&T fiber. Ooh, nice. there you go. Yeah, so, I got fiber yeah. about a year ago, and it, it might be a year and a half ago. It's awesome. So yep, I, should be getting, I get about seven, um, eight hundred down now. It's gotten better since I moved in. Well, I should be getting three hundred down and three hundred up, but it's going to be half the price of what I was paying um, Spectrum for three hundred down and twenty up. So that's that's a good thing. It'll kind of offset the, the extra we're paying on our phone bill for the new phones. And um, so I'm five for that. But um, I, I have to go and look because I was told that there might be a discount because I'm a veteran and I might only end up paying like 25 a month for internet at 300 down and 300 up. Wow. Which, Good price. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not going to complain about that. Price. Nowhere near that. Yeah. <laughs> I pay an 86 for a gig up and a gig down with no double netting. Man, it's worth every penny to me, but. Uh... Will definitely, you know, make a difference on all the, the various servers that I'm running. Amazing to me. It's just amazing to me that when we lived in that apartment, I only had 50 megabit down. It was horrible. <laughs> I had dial-up for years, then I had DSL, and going from DSL to the fiber was like going from dial-up to DSL, except even better. Yeah. Yeah, we always had um. Well, and 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 that's like how I ended up finding out that we had fiber was like two weeks before we closed. All right, they sent out the stuff like you know who who our uh, utility providers would be, and they said Spectrum would be, and that it was fiber. And I'm like, 
Uh-oh, because I'd already saved up and bought a cable modem because I was going to buy a cable modem, you know, because Rich was bugging me about it um, years ago now. Um, and uh, I found that out, so I ended up having to take it back because <laughs> I couldn't use it because the, the way they did the fiber in the neighborhood, every house has fiber in our development, all right? And it's all through Spectrum. And they provide the equipment. I don't pay any rent on the equipment. It's included. So uh, the only thing I that do I did go ahead. own my own cable modem, so that's gonna yeah. you know, collect dust in my garage somewhere. Yeah, oh, but I think um, I've got three. <laughs> I, I did check. I did check with the uh, guy that's supposed to be doing the install because he called me, and I made sure that I can turn off the DHCP uh, table. Uh, on their uh, modem and then just have it all routed through my router. Right. So that way I can, you know, keep my um, uh, DNS through Asus with my Asus router. Mm -hmm. Plus I have I, a pretty so, nice Asus router. Right. Yeah, and I, I have a, um, the mesh system, uh, Asus mesh router with three nodes, one in my office and one um, in the, the living room and one in my wife's office. And uh, I thought about that, but then I don't have any real dead spots or anything when it comes to Wi-Fi in my house. So yeah. One router is enough to cover everything. Well, I didn't either until we were in that apartment. <laughs> and in that apartment, there was so much Wi-Fi traffic. Every sing there was every single apartment in there had See, I did, if that if that had been my issue and it has in the past i'd have just you know um ignored certain laws and and overpowered my antenna <laughs> that would be another option right yeah but uh um and my my old asus router was getting up in age anyway so it was time in fact i'm Actually, starting to get towards the towards that with this system because I, I want to get. I think my next mesh system will be the Aero E E R O. Um, those have been reported to have the best speeds. Um, but how I ended now here the story here though is how how I got the um, the main to to the point where I can have the main uh, uh, mesh node in my office here because when when I found out they were doing fiber, I had already paid have four ethernet drops put in the walls uh all leading back up here to my office okay and i and i had put it right next to the cable jack all right thinking i was gonna get a cable modem right <laughs> so that didn't happen so when it comes to install time they're like well where we usually set it up uh with with the equipment in the garage i'm like okay so the cables, the coax that's got on the wall for cable TV, which they had to put in, came with the house that I don't use. I found the one cable that leads up to my office, all right? I got the uh, Ethernet to coax adapter set. There's one in my office and then one in the garage. And then I hooked, hooked that up uh, to that cable. And that's how I got the main connection leading up here from uh, to to the office. So it comes from the fiber uh, fiber node via Ethernet to that coax run 
and that runs up to my office, and then I got the main mesh node up here. When when we first when I first moved in, because since I didn't have that, I ended up um, having the main mesh node in the garage, which isn't ideal, but um, but it's all set up like the way I want now, and I get really good speeds, at least here in the office on the on the all the, all the Ethernet runs. Yeah, everybody like else can go to hell. Yeah, pretty much. Well, <laughs> although uh, technically, um, uh, the nodes do have Ethernet. In fact, they're uh, but they do not have enough ports that you can. Um, well, I guess you could. In my wife's office, I did hook up uh, another switch, and then uh, I hooked her me- her mesh node into that. So that, and then the Ethernet that's in her office into that switch. All right. So that way, um, that. All my all my nodes are actually wired, because uh, no, and that's the other thing is the current mesh system I got. Some of them have the wireless backhaul on five gig, um, or a different or a different band. I can't remember. I think it's five gig is it's a different band. It's different protocol together that does the wireless backhaul. Well, mine doesn't have that kind of wireless backhaul. The only backhaul it has, uh, if you're if you're using just wireless uh, to those mesh nodes, is the standard is the one you use to connect to, right? So your overall speeds will be slower if those were not wired. So a lot of the new systems have that wireless backhaul, so you can just I can plug a node in the like in my kitchen if I want to, and it would pick up wirelessly. So uh, and then extend the network further, but the three node system works fine for me. Um, I've got coverage everywhere in the house. I've got coverage in the screen room and out at the uh, paddy the uh, pad where my uh, pit boss is. So I, I'm pretty happy with it, you know. But if I were to upgrade it, I would definitely look at the Eero, Eero system E E R O from Amazon. I have a question. Um, since uh, you mm-hmm. railed through in a bunch of stuff, back to the ISPs, and you, you Joe, said you were going to be running a lot yep. of services behind it. Do they still do port blocking, like not allow you to run a web server that would be accessible to the outside they, world? They, I, I, I sure I, hope not. I've never run into that because I've, I've run a server from home for years, uh, but they do double NAT. And uh, that 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 can stop you from having your own IP address. But I just called them up. Uh, they assured me when I if I got the fiber that there would be no double netting if there was. And I called them up, and they they said for five dollars extra a month they can take that off. So, but I, I've never had a port block with fiber DSL or cable. My brother, my brother had AT and T cable because he and I used to share our right. flex libraries, but. Uh, he he was getting uh, AT and T was fussing him for his his uh, his upload bandwidth, so he, <laughs> so he had to quit sharing that. But right. why would they give him a hard time about his upload bandwidth? I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting. They're gonna hate me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've never run into an issue with, I, with any of that. What you run some torrents for Linux Mint there, huh? <laughs> well, obviously, obviously. <laughs> now, I would say this. Uh, I did see a story today. Uh, well, not to mention the fact that uh, Hulu sent me the email where Hulu's going to start cracking down on sharing your passwords, too. 
just like Netflix. Free Hulu well, now. Can, yeah, well, especially since Hulu, uh, um, well, Hulu is owned by Disney Plus now, so. Sign up for free Hulu but, through um, T-Mobile. Yeah. You know, that, that's funny. All, you, the thing that, well, one thing I would love is if they gave you a different, on your phones, if they gave you a different tier option where all you got was fucking service and not all these freebie things like free Apple Music, free this, free that. Um, I pay so little for my cell phone um, bill monthly anyway for the number of lines mm -hmm. that I have because I'm a veteran. That If they want to offer me free crap on top of it, who am I to complain? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I mean, I, I've got Apple Music, you know. I could run technically run that as well as the. And the, the one thing I'm trying to figure out, and somebody somewhere told me uh, why, and I'm like, that don't make sense. But the Apple has classical music, a classical music app too. So if you listen to classical music, there you go. And I, and I'm like, well, why do you need a different app just for classical music? And they say, well, classical music is different and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, really? Uh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, whatever. I, I think I, I think the other thing I heard, too, on that was because I think they, they're um, the only stream it in the in the Apple lossless. So that could be why. I don't know. But. I don't pay nothing for it, just like I don't pay. There's something else I get that I don't pay nothing for. I, I forget what it is, but but that's like we were talking about. Like um, they're uh, starting to uh, do ad blocking if if um if you have an ad blocker running on YouTube, uh, they're that's basically been going on for a few months now. Yeah, well, not and they're throttling. Uh, you now too. Even if you're, even if you're a premium subscriber, if you have your ad blocking turned on for on YouTube, it throttles your connection. So um, I don't have now, it turned I on. I saw I saw something about that. I mean, I pay for YouTube right. premium, so I don't get for, that. Yeah. but but yeah. Evidently, uBlock Origin wasn't affected, and Google was saying it's not us, and it was ad block Plus or one of these ad blockers. This they're, they're putting the ball in their court, saying they're the reason for the slowdown. Yeah, know. well, I... I mean, it's I, one of those, Yeah. No. Who's, who yeah. knows? <laughs> right. Well, it's just like I got in a discussion where, where um, there's so many... Especially the Apple folks, the folks who are assistant that they say that iOS is more secure. And I'm like, who are you... Who? Where are you getting that? Well, that's what Apple says. And I'm like, do you really trust Apple? <laughs> there's lots of people trust Apple. <laughs> I know they do. You know. Uh, I mean, I mean that—that's—that's that's the other thing. It's shipped this week too. Was the Apple Vision Pro, which I absolutely have no interest in, especially since the cost starts at thirty-five hundred dollars. Speaking I'm of like, not trusting companies, um, I, I am going to say uh, Samsung. Um, they have decided that the uh, oh yes, Gear Watch S three. It's no longer going to work on phones in 2024. Oh, here I thought you were going to talk about the. Here I thought you were going to talk about the Galaxy AI features of your new phone. 
Oh, I, as far as I know, they haven't really implemented those yet. I mean, I know it's in the pipe. I received notifications that it's coming, but um, <clears throat> I haven't seen that yet. But no, my perfectly good You're supposed working to get S3 the... watch just watch. does not connect to my phone anymore. Wow. And it, it's completely wow. arbitrary because when I try to connect it, it says, uh, as of 2024, these no longer work because they're old. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, but the AI stuff, I have not, I have not actually seen that implemented yet. I don't yeah. know if it's going to be helpful. I don't know if it's going to be annoying. And hopefully, it's I can just It's mostly camera stuff, from what I've read. Uh, but there, but it's like you're, they're off. What what they're saying is, is that you get it free for two years, but then after two years, you have to pay for it. I'm like. Ain't no fucking way I'd do that, especially since I can get uh, most of that. Like uh, Google will provide that for free. Oh, there'll be some, there'll be some kind of backdoor, uh, free, clandestine AI on there anyway. That's just going to be harvesting your private or other text AI messages. Too, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. You know, that's like like to me, AI started to become like Clippy. It's, it's you know, more it, sinister than that. <laughs> it, well, that's true too. But you know, it, it's but it's like it, you know, anything that remotely comes close to AI, people are tagging AI on it. Like I think, I, yeah, uh, you know, like 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 there was the, if you've tried the Y three thousand Coke, that was supposedly the flavor of it was supposedly somewhat generated by AI. I'm like, oh god, really? I'm like. I'm like, it's getting to the point where where I, if I go I go to the store and I see AI on a box, I'm not kidding. I'm like, and it's not always a technical thing. And I'm like, it's a fucking marketing term now, and it pisses me off. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah, definitely. They especially in industries other than technology. I mean, that, what you just said about the Coke flavor, but back when I was working in the nutritional in uh, nutraceutical industry, uh, Chinese companies were bragging about formulating vitamin formulas with AI and really all they were doing is it's like bracketing photos. They, they, they would have, they spit out six formulas and a human formulator would go make each one of them and pick the best one. And they called that AI assisted because, you know, a non-human yeah, yeah. came up with the original formulas, but it's, it's, it's garbage. <laughs> yeah. And, and what, let's also be clear here too. I mean, there are now, while there are some real AI things out there, yeah. Most of what they're calling AI now is just simply large language models. Yeah. So I know for a fact that, you know, if my bosses could get an AI to do my job, that, yeah, I'd be fired tomorrow. Yeah. Well, it's like, like uh, Sam's Club uh, has that cavity check that they have currently have people in. Now they're going to have it where um, uh, you just walk through the door. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and, and, and they're saying, it's, "Yeah, what's this about cavity checks?" <laughs> ca well, when you okay, when you buy something in Sam's Club, right? Either you, I use Scan and Go, right? And whether you're either doing Scan and Go or going through the regular checkout, there's a greeter or somebody at the door that will scan the barcode on your receipt or on your phone. 
and then they scan three or four things in your cart. Okay, you were, and then you get to go. It's not you're not actually doing cavity checks. No, no, I I, oh, I called it that because that's what they used to call they, Yeah, that, that's what the there the, where I ended up getting that from years ago when Fry's Electronics existed. That's what the people called the the same people. Well, they do the same thing at uh, Best Buy too, but. But they're saying that Sam's Club, that's going to become a thing in the past. So, And it's being replaced by AI, supposedly. <laughs> so, um, and then I also saw another interesting story. You know, Amazon has those stores um, in the Pacific Northwest where basically you just walk out the door and they charge you, right? So you just pick up what you want, walk out the door, and then they automatically charge you. They're gonna, they're starting to do that here in Ohio at Bowling Green University's bookstore. So you no longer have to see a cashier. I'm like, yeah, that'll work. Speaking of not trusting technology, uh, y'all know what this search, uh, search engine is, right? What search engine? Yeah. Cirque, S-E-A-R-X. Never heard of it. Okay. Well, it's no longer maintained, but there's Good. a Cirque. There's a, <laughs> there's a Cirque <laughs> NG. I was running an instance of Cirque so just on my LAN at home. It's a, uh, it's a search engine, uh, and it aggregates the results of other search engines, but it doesn't store or transmit your queries to anybody. It's this sort of like a – I don't know if it's using – onion players or, or, or how exactly how it's doing it but it but it's a privacy respecting search engine but it, i've been running the search search engine at home for about two or three years maybe but I, I switched to the uh the docker uh search ng and it works really good i'll put it uh in the chat if you want to look at it not the the GitHub page. Why would I want to use that? So it's not supported. But if you, well, it's what not supported. Why would you want to use it if if you're paranoid? I don't know. No, I'm just curious. Wait, where'd you put it? Oh, I not I not put it there yet. Come on, I'm, man. I'm working. Oh. <laughs> I'm excited, Dave. If you it's recommend coming. something, I gotta try it. There you go. The Docker image makes it pretty easy. Was this was this made by oh, Sears? That means I can before just they throw it on my <laughs> But the Docker image it makes it really easy to do a public instance of it, which I, okay. I didn't I didn't do. I, I I just did it internally. But I've got it set up to be the default search engine on all my Firefox browsers on all my computers and my phone and it just works. How does it work though? I mean I mean huh. It aggregates results from other search engine search services and, and uh users are not tracked or profiled. So your your results oh. is customized but you'll you'll get results without being tracked and profiled. So technically it does an anonymous search on Google and other places. Yeah, and that's you know in the in the preferences you can 
you can tell it which search engines you want to use. And there's a lot of them. I mean, there's uh, Bing, Brave, DuckDuckGo, Google, Moji, Presearch, uh, Quant, Start Page. It just got the list goes on and on. And there's same thing with images. Uh, there's different categories for general images, videos, news, map, music, IT, science, files, social media, other uh, like under files. I mean, they even have uh, you know Pirate Bay, Kickass Torrents, and you know about the, anything you can think of. Google Play apps. It's pretty cool. Dave, if you're using yeah, yeah I, I'm, if you're using I'm not that search engine. <laughs> I free and, free I freely recognize Google's tracking my ass. <laughs> if you're if you're using this instead of Google, how's Google gonna make money, man? Why don't you want Google to make money? <laughs> they make money. I, I pay for uh, Google Music. <laughs> for Your YouTube. little Google Music subscription isn't gonna keep them in business. Somebody needs a yacht. Yeah, sure that, there's plenty of others. That, uh, yeah, there are. Another thing uh, I saw, I saw a commercial last night for, I'll put this in there, Zima board. Have y'all heard of that? It's a, they're advertising as a single board server. I have not. I, I, I saw it. Does yeah, it come with a, with a Z, case or the only a can Z of Zima? That was your drink of choice back in the day. I've ever heard of was Wasn't it everybody? Shitty, uh, drinking. Z Zima Gold, baby. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, my God. Those were disgusting. Anyway. Well, that's $119. Zima tasted $100. like a flat freaking Sprite. Anyway. What do you get? What is the board on here? Uh, the second link oh. I got shows the... Uh, the specification specs. down yeah. here. Yeah. There we go. It's an Intel Celeron. Interesting. I huh. bet you. Well, I, I uh, since Intel's no longer the only ones making Nucks, I bet you Nucks are going to start to go down in price. The so, no Asus announced uh, and, like Knucklelikes. Right. Yeah, Asus announced a few at CES this year. Hmm. Wait, what's the... Oh. That just has me thinking about... Hmm. Go ahead. What? No, I'm sorry. I was just mulling over the specifications on this uh, Zima board server. Interesting. It comes with Casa OS, which is based on Debian, evidently. I never heard of that. Casa? Yeah, I, I mean, never it's, either. It's compa you know, you can install it's Home OS, baby. Anything you want to on it. Is it Home OS or House OS? <laughs> Not sure. They got blades too. Yeah. Or it will have blades. Wait, PF Sense. What is PF Sense? Wait. It's a router. So, yeah. yeah. It's that. What 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 else? Based on BSD. Okay, so P and OpenWRT is based on what? I guess that's that's its uh, own OS, isn't it? 
that was the yeah that was the yeah was the OS that used to run on the old WRT keyboard G. Because I was gonna say, if it's PF Sense is compatible OS, and PF Sense is free be off of FreeBSD, right? Correct. Can't you install FreeBSD on this thing? I, I would think so. No, NetBSD, right? Because NetBSD runs on everything. <laughs> or it used to. Well, I, don't know. I had that Alix board that um, I, I don't even think the guy's in business anymore, but it was an Alix board that ran PFSense. The only thing I didn't like about that one was was um, it only had one port on the land side of things. It had the WAN port, and then it had the one port in the uh, on the uh, land side. So I had to have a, a router anyway. But the th- other things I did like about it was it had a lot of plugins. Like, like I could um, see, like, m- when my wife would send instant messages, I could see those on the EMP of sense. So, um... Until until she realized I could, then she's like, "You need to stop. You need to turn that off." I'm like, "Okay." Any <laughs> uh, of you guys still replace the firmware in your routers? I'm not the only one still doing that. <laughs> um, I have no need to because Asus is pretty damn good. Software is I- pretty good, but um, I did buy like a portable router that already had DDWRT built in, and, and, and right. So, why would I need to replace that? It, I, right. I, 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 I probably should have asked myself that question because I've been replacing it for every router I've ever had. <laughs> I've replaced the firmware on. Right. I'm, I'm running a Voxel. I don't know how I arrived at that. Okay. My Netgear Nighthawk, whatever. See, I don't even know if I can. I mean, well, I won't the... buy a router unless I can. Right, and, well, and it's just yeah, me being yeah. weird. I, I really have, really have a reason to do that anymore. Uh, right. I initially did it because I was I, I run cable under the house and had switches, three switches all through the downstairs. But to get internet upstairs, I didn't want to run ca- uh, Cat Five cable. upstairs, so I just I needed a wireless bridge and. I wanted to right, do it right. that that way, so I, that was the first time I installed DDWRT on anything. Oh, I do need to get another portable router because uh, in the the little ones that I have are well out of support now. <laughs> TP link ones. I I did replace my firmware on one of my routers. Oh, um, this was a while ago. I don't not on the current one. But what advantages did you see, Dave, when you replace the firmware? Uh, it was a little easier. I mean, I, I think it, I've only really had two use cases, well, three, that I that I thought were it was easier to get to or easier to figure out how to do it. One was uh, Open VPN, the other was a wireless bridge, and the other was yep. dynamic DNS. So yep. those those three things right there, you know, years ago, and they're all supported it, on most modern yeah, routers now. Most, most modern routers, but back at the you know. The first one that I forget it was a DDWRT eleven or something, right? Fifty four G. Yeah, yeah, fifty four G L is the one I bought first, but yeah, right. that one was pretty well supported. But it, the, the firmware just had more features, and uh, the, the the three things I needed were there. Plus, you could overpower it. the radios. Yep, and I've been doing it. Yeah, that too. For a year, I mean, ever since I've never stopped. But... Yeah. 
See, I I'm mean, there, there was a time when that was a useful thing to do. I just haven't yeah. found it useful on any of the, the newer hardware that I've bought. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, I just realized I, this, I just logged into my router and I have auto firmware upgrade turned on, so I I, see, I hit the check update button for nothing. <laughs> it probably doesn't. And I, I do have that that there's things that uh, that I did use on the old uh, DDWRT um, when I used to have the 54G. Um, I had the original like version two, which is one of the ones that initially supported it you know until they brought out the threes it didn't but um those, those had uh like you could like based on uh time you could say reboot my router every every uh, week uh well my my zen i have the zen wi-fi ax mini system and it will do that i've already got scheduled at sunday at three in the morning when i should be in bed to reboot my router is it needed? Not really, but I just do it anyway. You know, it's a nice thing being able to set up on my phone to have it automatically restart, and I have that set yeah. for um, Mondays at 3 o'clock in the morning because, yeah, you can just about guarantee that Monday, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to be asleep. I should do that on my phone because the phone, the phone I don't repeat enough. <laughs> but... Because I occasionally have to do like I've run into things like, like with my phone where I go out in the car and a damn thing won't connect up to uh, Android Auto because I have the wireless Android Auto in my car and uh, so um, the only way I can get it to work usually is reboot the phone. Whatever it that happens. If my phone hasn't been restarted in a long time, we'll just start you know acting crazy. Yeah. So. Thank you, memory leaks. It, it, it's a good thing to do. Right. So that's like, like, um, I was really was thinking about getting the, uh, pixel eight pro, but I think at the point I'm at right now, I might as well just wait until the, um, pixel nine pros are out because they actually already leaked out a little bit. Not for sale, but you know what it's going to look like and all. They're going flat screen, so they're instead of having a curved screen on the edges, it, the the whole LCD is flat across the front, like it used to be. So the curved screens that started on what the uh, Galaxy S7s. <laughs> well, they had it on one side, and then you could get the right. S7 Edge. Right. Which had it on both sides, but then after that, right. like, all the phones. Everything on both sides. Yep. Yep. Everything's going back flat, you know, because you got to copy Apple apparently. But I, I like the initial reception I'm seeing on, on the Vision Pro because I think it's over. I think. There are some Apple folks that are just saying, oh, it's a new paradigm and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, it isn't. <laughs> well, everything that they said that they, you know, they were the first ones to do. Right. If you look a little closer, yeah, that's not true. Well, it, it's really weird how they, they won't call it a VR headset. They won't call it an AR headset. They want to bring up their own fucking term like they always do. Call it spatial computing. 
<laughs> right. Now, somebody was going to give me one for free? Yeah, I'd take it. But I'd not going to go out your way for it. But I ain't going to spend, uh, like, it starts at 3500 Yeah, I'm you good. You can spend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can spend up to $5,000 or more on this thing. It's like, if I had that much money, I'd have a kick-ass laptop right now. And I'd much rather spend it on that. That's going to be infinitely more usable. Especially what the annoying thing that I find, too, is like, like YouTube and Netflix and I think Hulu. None of them are offering apps that will let you watch content on Division Pro. I think the only way you can watch a YouTube video on Division Pro is via the Safari browser. You know, because it's essentially an iPad stuck on your face. <laughs> like I said, not gonna lie, if someone gave me one, yeah, yeah, I'd take it, but you know, like I can't blame the creators like MKBHD and uh, Ah Justine and uh, Brian Tong, which I'm still trying to figure. I guess he has his own podcast since he left CNET, but whatever. I haven't seen him content from him in years. <laughs> Just like I don't watch Leo Lippert anymore either. Yeah, I haven't watched Leo in a while. Is he still doing stuff? Uh, they're not doing what, well. What at was all, the show that he did? Oh, the Twit, Twit. Network. Twit Network. Twit Network. Well, yeah, Twit Security Now, Windows Weekly, This Week in Google, Mac Break Weekly, Tech News Weekly, which used to be Tech News Today. Ask the Tech Guys. They did Ham Nation for a while, but I think Ham Nation. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if they still do. I, I think they switched to just YouTube and had a different group. Of, they, they, I don't know if Bob Heil does it anymore, but. Leo basically created a podcasting, you know, empire. And yeah. And it's starting to fail. Well, they have an untitled Linux show. That covers yes, the week's hottest that. Linux news. Oh, and it's and it's like a Patreon only one too. I think well, it is Brad an ad free Club Twit exclusive podcast. You can join the Club Twit for seven dollars yes. a month. Wow, and you can get it. Which I ain't doing that. I I wonder like, oh, you know what? No, episode one thirty two was released on January second, twenty twenty four. So I'm assuming that there's probably been four other episodes since then. No way. I thought it was a weekly show. Yeah. Apparently not. Wait, no. I can't freaking tell how this numbering system is. And maybe that's only the episodes they let you download. Well. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, what are you going to do? It's just like that lot of Linux links podcast. Used to 
charge yeah. you for every episode. Yeah. <laughs> I made it to 134 episodes. What's this show you talking about? I made it 132 so far. Five dollars an episode. Said Dave. How about Linux into his house? That was that was hundred dollars an episode. You had to pay for all that talent. That's right. Hey, your daughter did great two shows ago. Yes, she did. Yeah, and then she disappeared, and I haven't seen her. And uh, since that day, <laughs> no, I, I think I saw her at, at her work a couple, couple about a week and a half ago. We had to drop something off for her. Oh, busy, no, so, busy, okay, busy. So Ham Nation, which used to be on the tour. Used to be on the Twit Network is now on the Ham Radio Crash Course uh, YouTube channel. In fact, they're actually live right now. They got different hosts on it. I think Bob retired from doing the show, if I remember right. Bob the Builder? No, Bob Heil of Heil Microphone or Heil Audio. Anywho, it's like I was talking, had the ham radio discussion a little bit on, on the, at the end of our call today because I did say I am planning on going to Hamvention again this year. That is May 17th, 18th, and 19th. I'm probably going to go at least two of the three days. At the Green County Fairgrounds in beautiful Xenia, Ohio. I'm gonna buy me a, while I'm there. I might get a um, uh, MM, dill dog. Uh, <laughs> another MMDVM. Uh, what I kind of want is multi multi mode digital voice modules. What that is, it's essentially a thing that will run on a Raspberry Pi. Um, but I have one that I got on eBay that's completely self-contained and designed to be portable, so it's got battery on it and everything. I want to get one that's just on permanently at the house. It's, you know, then that's wired into uh, the to, to my router, so it's just on. I actually was leaving it plugged into the micro USB charger and running it all the time. But I went to go take it uh, with me to um, my dad's house this Christmas, and I was going to, you know, chat on the radio the whole the whole way down to Tennessee. And and it it was weird. It was like it was like it temporarily did that. Usually, if they swell, they're done. You know. Um, and it went power up, went power up. So I, I, when I got to the hotel, I plugged it in to the charger, and it looked like it was okay. It was started the charge, waited till it charged up, and everything closed back up, which is strange. But so you said you said, you said the battery blew up. Since. When so, you say the battery blows up, I'm thinking that your battery got bloated. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to change your saying there because. Was the battery just dead, or did it, like, turn into a bubble? Swelled. 
swelled. Never use a battery that's swollen. No, it's. I don't know. It's it's swelled. Well, the, the thing is, is, I did open it up all the way and looked at it. It did, that everything inside got warm, so it acted like it was swelled up, but it wasn't really swelled up. I think that's what happened. But okay. so I don't. Okay, so you didn't I don't actually it on the charger anymore. You, you didn't actually see it bloated. Did it? When I took it apart, it did not look bloated to me. Okay. No. Yeah, because never when plug I took something it apart. in. When I took bloated. it apart, yeah. When I took it apart, it it never the, the it's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's been fine for months now. So, so it, you know, um, but. I want to have one that's on all the time, so I'm just going to buy one of those. Um, I think Bridgecom makes one that has like what I want. It doesn't have to, you know, the Pi. It'll run on Pi Zero W. I don't. I don't have to have a powerful Pi running it. Board that I, I still have that. You know, it still works, but that only works on D Star and not on the, all the rest of the modes. So today, somebody was playing a Pi Zero W. Get around to it. I will tear. I will too. Right. You know, like the original price for the zero W. That's that's actually not bad (laughs) nowadays. But toying with the idea of getting getting one of those uh, the potato computers. You seen those yet, Dave? No. Yeah, they're like forty dollars on Amazon. Uh, Libre computer is what they're called. The Libre computer, le potato. L e potato, one word. Yeah. Let me see if I can find one on Amazon. They're on Amazon. Has several of my wish list. Are they in stock? Are they in stock? They are. $35. And Lay Potato is... Yep. And that's the 2 gig version. 2 yeah. gig of RAM? Yeah, 2 gig of RAM. And then the other one has... I think you get one with 4. They're, they're all in rock chips. So, mm. been toying with the idea. They got one for, uh, they got one, actually, wait, is this a little potato or, no, this doesn't say it's that, but it says, let me, let me click on the link. Can't you get one that's four gig or something? I only see two gig in here. Well, and here's another one gig, board two gig, two gig, two pack, two gig, four pack. Well, they got they have an Orange Pi 3B that's got eight eight gig running a Rocktip RK3566 for sixty three dollars. No, is that 
exact same size as the Pi 3B, able to use the same cases and crap like that? It looks like it could. Here, I'll put the link in the in the mobile chat. Wait, why do you see it for $63 and I see it for 55 Because Amazon likes you better. Oh, it's a than different it likes- one. It's a different one. How's it? A, wait, what's the difference? Is it an eight gig. There, just just rock, go to the link. Thirty-five, Yeah, I'm looking at the orange pie. Now you're gonna make that me click another pretty, link. That's that's looks pretty attractive to me, especially since it's eight gig. Oh, I see. Supply. I see. I think I see why it's. Yeah, that's why. That's why it's a couple dollars more than the one we got because it has, it has the uh, cord with it's it. It's a different board. It's a different board. I'm guessing because the uh, cord's not the in the cable, picture. Yeah. What do you mean it's a different board? It's a three B eight gigabyte well, LPDDR rock chip RK thirty five sixty six. This right, is a rock it's, chip. It's, it's it's not the it's not the Libre computer. It's an Orange Pi, different board. Yeah, and I'm talking about the orange pie. I get that. Right. The orange pie is fifty five dollars. Okay, right, the one right. you're looking at is sixty three, and it comes with the cord. Oh, sixty three because it I goes with the power supply. I was just trying to right. figure out why is there a seven dollar difference. I guess so. Yeah. Right. Proprietary uh, barrel connector. No, it's a, it, looks it looks like, like a USB, USB connector. I don't know. And Dan, if you go to the uh, Libre Computer Project Store on Amazon, like if you get to the link, that's uh, the other one, yeah. Yeah, they've got the Renegade and the, uh, the Trillium. So they do have a four gig model that's called the Renegade. And the yep. the Libre Computer Project Store. Yeah, the Trillium is two gig, but the, the Renegade is four. Not bad. Those and uh, the Risk Five ones, I'm semi getting interested in. Wow! Oh my the, the only thing it's about, this, about the any of the other non-Raspberry Pi boards that I'm concerned with is that what what is the complete OS support like? But no, nobody has as good a support and as wide a support as the Raspberry Pi Foundation has right now. It's getting better. That's always the Intel, been true. And the, it's getting better and the Intel boards uh, kind of eclipses that. Because any of the Intel based SBCs I've, don't I, what? Don't don't the orange it, pies have good support now? Like it, I mean, they've been that, around the one for a that, while. Uh, that we just looked at um, will support Ubuntu, so yeah. I can't imagine that the Libra board wouldn't be uh, friendly to Linux. One would huh? hope. Well, we got to wrap this up. <laughs> Yep. Dave's got to go eat his haggis. Have you? You better watch it, Dave. I think your ass Very is craving stove wood. Conversation. Or Scrapple? <laughs> I want Scrapple, man. 
haven't had that in a long time. I'm, I'm uh, Dan. You said Clemson correctly. You put a P in it. Uh, a lot, a lot of people in your region, in Clemson. North, yeah, a lot of people. Say, yeah, a lot of people say Clemson. They put a Z in it, but it's a P. And you got the Stovewood. You got the Stovewood thing right too. Clemson. That's a southern thing. Clemson. You know, I've been saying that Stovewood thing to people, and they give me. Stowood. They're like, "What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Do we need to go to HR?" <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm gonna play this out. Here are your provos. I am short, and we'll be back in February. Showtime! It's a little thing tech show, and that's fact. What the hell's that, man? If you don't like the cast, you can get up your ass. That's it. We're no not starting again. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? What did I? What did I play? I'm not starting. Oh, I see what I, I didn't know. Even I. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was like, wait a second. Oops. I played the wrong directory. Oh my god. It's Here Hacker we go. Public Sorry. Radio. Hacker Public Radio is a daily podcast by the hacker community for the hacker community. If you're interested in technology, creative thinking, hacking, Linux, or any kind of computer, and that kind of stuff, you should listen to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.com. My name is Matt, and I've started a new podcast called LibreQuest. I talk about Linux and general technical topics. To get the show, visit LibreQuest.org. So we can paint anything we want? Anything at all. How about if I paint your fine ass? Mm, yeah, with my tongue brush. Shut up. Just shut up. Daddy has a gun! It's over. You were making egg poo young in the kitchen. I was in the dining room having sushi. Oh yeah, Joe, you still still use your pine tool? That is my soldering iron of choice. I'm I'm tempted. It's only twenty five ninety nine right now. Yeah. Also get the tips from them, and the shipping is kind of harsh, but uh, I do recommend it. Yeah. What's kind of harsh? I just ordered more coffee today, though. The, the shipping from um, Pine is usually, oh. what, like 25 bucks. Oh, damn. So it, it's good, to, or well, it was when I ordered my Pine for a couple of years ago. So it's good to also, because it's a really good price on the um, the tips to get the extra tips from them. Get a set or two because they're fifteen bucks so for a set some, of four. Right? Comes with one, but you get the the four pack. And if you look up the uh, tips for the TS one hundred on um, like Amazon, you'll see that it's worth it to get the tips from Pine.
well, you did say what I need to put in there to see what the for shipping. shipping. They charge you twenty five dollars for shipping, right? And the oh, thing yeah. is twenty five dollars, so that's like fifty bucks. Yeah. And then you throw on the tips. Which is like fifteen for a pack of four or something like that. Uh, and then I mean, like fifteen dollars each on um Amazon. So uh, I find it worth it. There you go. How often do you replace the tip? Uh well, I don't know. Depends. I, I like the finer tips for most of the stuff I do. So some of the tips that I got, I, I'll use them on some applications, but uh, not that many. So it depends on how much soldering I do. Sometimes six months. Sometimes, you know, two. Well, now, now here, now here's the thing. I entered in what I needed to do to get shipping on it to see what it would be. Courier shipping is twenty four dollars. Mm. Standard shipping is eleven ninety nine. Yeah, still. So eleven ninety nine for shipping. I'd still, you know, toss on some of the. I wonder they haven't put a, a. Did they put a store? They sh should put a store in Amazon. That would be awesome. Yeah, it would be. I think you can order the pine sill on Amazon. I don't think they have I'm a specific plugging it in. store, but I think you can order it. On there. Mm, yeah, it's forty, which is about that's about what it would be once you add the shipping. Yeah, you know, because you can buy them small enough now; they fit in the microwaves and stuff. So it might not be like that if I bought like a. Incandescent replacement, but the other thing too is the inside of this microwave is is uh like a lot of them are painted white inside, and it yeah, and the coating just doesn't last that long where you're cleaning it and stuff. So the might last microwave we bought in the old house was steel inside, didn't have any paint at all, so it was really easy. You know, if you if you the worst you can do is scratch the metal, you know, and I don't care about that. <laughs> but we'll see. I, that that that'll, that's a ways off. It's the microwave still works good, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about that. The light stays on. I don't put out as regularly. <laughs> Ha-ha. What you Dickie cracking open there? That Miller? is a... No, what? It, it, this is a Diet Sam's Choice Cola. Oh, boy. Ooh, Walmart. Man. <laughs> the hard stuff this late at night? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got a liquid death. I've been drinking tea all day, so I'm, I'm scaling back my caffeine. I got liquid death, and I drank all um, what eight total eight cups of the circle water. So had my water for the day. Didn't go to the gym this this morning, but that's okay. I went three three days in a row. I try to do five days a week minimum. And I did uh. I guess I, I guess you'd call it a stir fry buffet. <laughs> um, 
I made I stir fried the vegetables and then I stir fried some beef and then I stir fried some chicken because I wanted chicken and my wife don't like chicken. Uh, How do you not steep. like chicken? I don't know, man. It's delicious, but she she don't like chicken unless it's deep fried. <laughs> Dave likes a squirrel deep fried, right, Dave? <laughs> Uh, I'm you know what? Right off, if fan. I wanted to try a squirrel, that's the only way I'd try it. Right off the road and straight into the fryer. <laughs> but so, and it, it was actually it worked out good. Now, now, since I was the cook, after the chicken was done, I scooped out all but what I was going to eat, and then threw some some of the vegetables in there and stir fried it all together. With them, I I don't care what they did. They they just put it all on their plate and ate it. The beef was all gone. And I still had some chicken left over, so that's I can use that for lunch tomorrow with a. So you got chicken um, and beef in your stir fry. No, I had just chicken. I only oh. wanted chicken, you know, because you said fuck I get, the beef, right? But I mean, don't get me wrong. I like a like a good piece of beef, but. When that's all, whenever I cook and that's all the wife wants to have is beef, it gets old. <laughs> it's what's for dinner. Isn't, well, yeah. Isn't that the old adage? She don't beef, even, she don't even like pork. She'll oh. eat ham, though. Pork is delicious. Will she, will she eat meatloaf with mix uh, a mix of pork and beef? If she don't know about it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I got her to eat uh, deer. A friend of mine gave me a gave me a pound of a uh, well, he not meatloaf, uh, but he gave me a pound of venison, ground venison, and I made chili. And when I was making the chili, uh, after I had the beef cooked, I took maybe about a cup or two of, of broth or bouillon, whichever, and then I just cooked it down, you know, until until there was hardly any broth left. And then I made the chili, and I and this is like before Luke was born, and I was gonna go eat lunch in their lunchroom with her since I was off that day. Well, I think I was on second shift at that point, but anyway, me and him, I brought in the chili. We microwaved it in the in their lunchroom, and then we sat and ate chili. And I said, "She like that chili?" She's like, "Yeah, it was pretty good." And I'm like, "You just ate Bambi." She got so mad at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say Bambi's pretty tasty, but that's not the point. <laughs> Dave, yeah. tell me, tell me if this is accurate. Is this how you make your venison chili? You take a can of beans, a can of tomatoes, an onion chopped up, some garlic chopped up, and some chili powder, and you go out and you drag that deer into the field off the road, and you just pour it right into the stomach, <laughs> and then you let it sit in the sun for the day. And then you come back out later on, and it's good eating time. That's how Pappy made it. Yeah. <laughs> that's su- Southern style. That's Clemson chili. Clemson deer chili. Yeah. <laughs> I did try. Uh, I, when I do fast food now, like, like um, I, every once in a while I'll get fries. I'll still get fries. I just – I plan for it during the day, so I hardly eat anything, you know. So – um. I think it was last week I had the uh, – I didn't get the burger, but I got the nacho cheese uh, chicken sandwich thing that Wendy's has got now. 
because they'll make it with chicken or they'll make it with a with a burger patty. I it was okay. I don't know. I don't think it's gonna stick like some of their other ones, their other ideas. Hmm. They had like um like uh tortilla pieces and like a like a seasoned corn, you know, kind of like a corn with like Mexican seasoning, and it had of course the the regular cheese and then uh, like a I think a serrano uh, nacho style cheese on it as well, uh, and I had the chicken version, and it was good. It was all right. I mean, I I don't think it. I like I said, I don't think it's gonna stick around like like their pretzel burgers do, which those are good. But you know, a lot of times like like tomorrow. Um, Tomorrow, Misty usually takes Luke to go bowling, and they're usually not back before I need to have something to eat before I go to uh, my boot camp group at, at church. And um, I usually end up ordering something for myself. So, like, like one week I ordered, like, a, if, you, if you get the grilled chicken nuggets at uh, Chick-fil-A and you get the kale crunch side – both those together are less than 500 calories. So that was that, and it fills me up too. Amazingly enough, I'm getting to the point now where we're uh, not eating so much garbage. Uh, is definitely uh, I don't crave it as much as I used to. But oh, we're ready to start the show. I am ready. What episode is this, Dave? 1036. 1037, you say? Uh, I'm guessing, yeah. <laughs> is that Dave, right? I, you know what? I He's would never, guesser. ever doubt you. <laughs> All right? We got more updates. But I, I did I'll look, talk about. and I double-checked, and I knew yeah. you were going to get it right. I'm glad you looked. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Dan, I got a new dishwasher this week. <laughs> oh, cool. Put that in your suppository, Dave. And smoke it? No. I already have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get this show uh, going. This is 1037. We'll hear about new dishwashers and uh, single board computers probably at some point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have it yet, but. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one.